on Macquarie Radio NTS. This is What's Cooking with Nerida Conway, bringing you a tasty assortment of all things food and wine. Hi there and welcome to What's Cooking on Macquarie Radio NTS. I'm Nerida Conway and on today's show we're going to be checking in with Rosalind Grundy who's the editor of the Age Good Food Guide. Also talking to Jane Thompson from Fabulous Ladies Wine Society talking about the inaugural Women in Wine Awards which is very exciting. We've got Mel Brower aka the Prosecco Queen talking about Prosecco, one of my favourite things. Also Jack Holman from Yarra Valley Dairy talking about cheese, yum yum. And we'll be giving you answers to your Curly Cooking Questions with Chef Ian Curly. You're listening to What's Cooking, Macquarie Radio, NTS. Guess who's coming to dinner with Nerida Conway. And welcome to What's Cooking on Macquarie Radio NTS. I'm Nerida Conway. We're going to be having a little chat right now to the gorgeous Rosalind Grundy, who's not only just such a talented journalist, but also the editor of the Age Good Food Guide. How are you, Roz? Yeah, that's a big rap. Thanks, Nerida. Well, I think you're pretty amazing with what you do, with what you have to sort of cope with. Thank you. <laughs> There's just so. I think if I had your job of having to, you know, sift through all the hundreds of dining places and you know work out what's a winner and what's not alone on you know in addition to your sort of your other stuff, I'd find it very stressful. It can be stressful, um, but uh, you know. A lot of people tell me also that it's the best job in Melbourne, so there you go. Well, everyone always thinks the grass is a little greener, don't they? <laughs> they do. <laughs> so last time we had a chat to you, it was to talk about, um, you know, all of the different winners of the Age Good Food Guide, who got hats, who lost hats. It was all, you know, a very exciting time of year. And now that a little bit of the dust has settled, what's it like out there? I can't believe just how busy the dining scene is at the moment. I don't think we've ever had a time when so many new places have opened this close to Christmas. It's phenomenal. And why do you think that is? I'm really not sure because people are telling me in the industry that it's tougher than ever. That's what I'm hearing as well. uh, You know, and I, I believe them. I'm sure they're sincere. I'm sure they're not just pulling my leg. But um, for all that, there's so many more people who want to jump on that merry-go-round and, um, you know, really top chefs who have been busting to open their own place or people who've got a successful business and see an opportunity for something else. So just a lot of um, places opening in November, December and even more weirdly January, which is Gosh. never a time that places, time, you know, people, people don't normally open in January. Normally, no, we're all at the beach. That's right. We're getting fish and chips on the beach. That's right. <laughs> so do you reckon that some of it's got to do with um, all these TV shows like The Hot Plate and things like that that sort of, I guess, in a way glamorise and make running a restaurant look sort of easier than it really is? And a lot more fun than it really yes. is. Yes. <laughs> yep. Because in a real restaurant, yeah. sorry, I was just going to say in a real restaurant, you know, you don't have the team turn up and give you a makeover. No, that's <laughs> right. And and you're, you know, out on the floor having a chat with people all the time. You're not actually in the back doing the hard yard. No. So, yeah, maybe that's got something to do with it. I wonder if it's playing a part. But, you know, maybe, maybe things are a bit more buoyant, maybe people are a bit more optimistic about the economy than um, than we've been led to believe. 
Yeah. And look, I think, you know, eating out now, again, I'm, I'm attributing television shows and the fascination with food and, and everything in our culture, in our society now anyway. But I think probably, you know, people going out to dinner more often just creates more supply. Yes, that's right. And more and demand, I should say. Yes, and we're a bit more confused, really, about what we ought to be eating in some respects. You know, we're always being told, this gives you cancer, that gives you cancer. Oh, my goodness. Uh-huh. What Did you see in the paper yesterday about the fact that roast potatoes now give you cancer? Oh, for goodness sake. And they were saying, don't fluff up your roast potatoes um, because that just creates more surface area and they should only be light golden if they're anything darker than that that forms a crunch. Bad, bad news. I mean, come on. Yes. We've got yep. to just live, haven't we? <laughs> That's exactly right. Without crunchy potatoes and bacon, <laughs> some of those things, you know, really, what's... Especially what's, together. Crunchy right. potatoes and bacon together. That <laughs> is just living the dream. That is it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Roz, um, t- can you tell us about some of the new places that you know about that are opening up soon? Yes, I'd love to. Um, I, I try and keep a little bit of a spreadsheet now because there are so many that I can't keep them all in my head. So I, I, I um, write them down in a spreadsheet. But some of the ones I know of that are opening are um, 400 Grady, another offshoot of the very successful pizza place. He's got one, um, Johnny DeFrancesco, clever guy. He's got one in Brunswick that's going great guns. He's got one at Crown Casino, and he's opening another one in Essendon. Any tick of the clock now, I think sometime this week. Yes. Um... And that's with um, Harry Lillai, isn't it? That's right. So and I love Harry. Food. Yeah, His I think a lot beautiful. of people will be happy to eat Harry's food again. They've missed him he's in the short time he's been out of Fitzroy. Lovely, lovely bloke. They're both lovely blokes, and that yeah. just kind of makes you want to go there more. Indeed. Yeah. Oh. So I think that'll be great, and great for Essendon. I think Essendon's one of those up-and-coming areas um, for food. It hasn't been all that well served mm. um, until recently, so mm. I think that's going to be an area that's starting to bubble up. Um, a couple of projects that I've heard about um, where it's a chef who is really well-known for high-end food mm-hmm. and they're opening something a bit more um, fun. So Biggie Smalls is Shane Delia's place in um, Collingwood that's opening up in Smith Street. He's going to be doing kind of kebabs with a bit of a fun twist. So things like, uh, I think it might be pork belly kebab with uh, peanut butter hummus that they're making in house. I know. Wow. Um, So that's going to be a bit of fun and some really delicious things like um, ice cream sandwich with some sort of Turkish delight type twist. So that's going to be fun. And another one is... I just think my thighs just put on about another inch just thinking about that. I know, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's, I think it's the more the big end rather than the small end of big small. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And another in a similar vein is Neil, um, Neil Perry's project, Burger Project. Um, he's got this dream of ho- opening a series of, you know, a burger chain mm. of really good burgers but in a fast food way. The Rockpool's been very renowned for its burger for many, many years. Mm. But this is kind of a, a much more... Um, accessible take on that so he's opening a place called Burger Project in a new um, development that's going into um, Melbourne CBD it's where Australia on Collins used to be 
it's um it's going to be called St Collins Lane, and he's one of the people who's going into there. Gosh, um, just one final, very quick question: mm. Do you think we have too many burger joints? I think we might have reached peak burger. <laughs> I mean, I personally think you can never have too many burger joints, but I know. You know, I'll just be interested to see what the next thing that comes along is. Yeah, there'll be a few more. I I'll, uh, I just know there will be, but. But it seems surprising that that, um, there's a continuing demand for them. Mm. Oh, thank you, Ros. That's so wonderful, Rosalind Grundy, food writer and editor of the Age Good Food Guide. You're on Macquarie Radio NTS. Now it's My Shout with Nerida Conway. And you're listening to What's Cooking on Macquarie Radio, NTS with Nerida Conway. Now, I've got the beautiful Jane here with me, Jane Thompson from the fabulous Ladies Wine Society. And I've asked Jane to come in today to talk to us a little bit about the Australian Women in Wine Awards that are coming up. How are you, Jane? Very well. Thanks, Nerida. That's good. Thank you so much for coming back in to chat to us again. Thanks for having me so soon. Oh, look. Explain to us about the Australian Women in Wine Awards. It sounds wonderful. Oh, I think it is wonderful. So the Australian Women in Wine Awards are the very first awards platform for women in the Australian wine industry. And is this your baby? Did you think of this? Well, I, I would like to say that it's all my baby, but of course it's not. You can't do these <laughs> things on your own. Um, I'm very much part of a team, a fantastic board made up of some of the most talented women in the Australian wine industry. Okay. And who do that, who, who does it comprise? Who, who's sort of on the board? Sure. So we've got... Uh, Winemaker uh, Samantha Conyu and uh, winemaker Karina Wright, Tony Carlino, who I know is involved here with you on the radio, and we have uh, Jenny Port, of course, the amazing wine writer here um, in Victoria, and also Jenny Houghton, who runs Magars Hill Winery. Okay, so. Tell me about the process of this. Is it a 12-month uh, information-gathering mission or what, what happens? Well, uh, earlier this year um, I put the call out to women who I thought if we could gather together would mm. make a pretty crack team and amazingly they all said yes. Right, why <laughs> so, wouldn't they? So that meant that we should really go ahead and do this thing. <laughs> so uh, we commenced around about uh, I think March or April and uh, started setting down criteria, deciding which awards we were going to launch with and pretty much creating the framework under which we wanted to operate. Awesome. So what are the criteria? Well, we decided that there would be four awards mm-hmm. in its first year. So we have a winemaker of the year, yes. a viticulturist of the year, okay. an owner-operator, somebody who's running their own business or managing a business, and also a really important one, I think, the Workplace Champion of Change, which is open mm. to both men and women who right. are advocates for women in the wine industry. Right. Now, what would that sort of entail? Well, I guess we're looking for people who are active in their workplaces in in terms of making them a more female-friendly place to be. Mm. So that might be creating sort of HR strategy or policy um, that helps to ensure that women are treated uh, equally and fairly in the workplace. Providing little tiny gumboots for children who have to tag along to work because they're sick. (laughs) Could do, could be. (laughs) Any and all of those sorts of suggestions. So it was very interesting to see those sorts of entries come in. I absolutely love that particular one just because, obviously, like just like you, I'm a working mum, I've got three kids, same as you have and it just feels to me without fail that every Tuesday when I come in to record our show here someone is sick. I know it's the antenna go up don't <laughs> they? So. You know and it is it is tough because you know obviously fathers do their bit as well but somebody ha- 
has to take care of the child if they get sick and someone has to, and it's not even have to, it's want to. I mean, I know that with me, I, I feel very lucky because my job is quite flexible and I can, you know, I can go to the Mother's Day stall and help out and I can schedule my, largely schedule my program around those sorts of things because I don't want to miss out as a parent. Mm. But I also love what I do for a living. So it is hard for females, I think, who have children or have a family and who work in what's been traditionally a, a male-dominated industry. Yeah, look, very much so. And even women without children, and there's plenty of those mm. around, uh, are still very much um, having to work a lot harder in order to receive equal and fair treatment. And so even down to things like um, the language that's used to describe different traits within women in the workplace, um, mm. whereas a man might be seen as a good leader, women often are referred to as bossy, mm. um, where men might be together sort of collectively deciding something amongst themselves in a networking situation. That woman isn't able to be there because she has other commitments, say, mm. family-wise, as you were describing earlier. Mm. So whether or not even you have children, I think that... Um, you know, if you are in a male-dominated culture like the wine industry, mm. there's lots of catch-up that still needs to be done. Mm, mm, mm. Yes, absolutely. And so have, are you excited by the response that you've had from different people wanting to win one of these awards? Absolutely. So the um, the response has been, I think, beyond our expectations. So we've not only had fantastic entries come in for each of the awards, but also the uh, support from within the industry has really blown our minds. So very, very exciting. Okay. Now, now, you can tell us, dumb drum roll, the winners. Yes, I can. So <laughs> the winners announced, and we, I tell you what, before I tell you who the winners are, yeah. um, what was really exciting is the way we announced the winners. Ooh. So rather than have a gala night, yes. which is um, difficult often for women to get to. Yes, uh, especially if they're all over Australia. Correct. Mm. And the wine industry is a very regional industry. Mm-hmm. We decided very early on to, in fact, broadcast live the results at a particular time and date. Oh, and then encourage, exciting. yeah, and then encourage people throughout the wine industries to host their own celebration event, which Love happened. It. So we had fantastic celebration events happening all over the country, where people tuned in to find out the winners. Oh, so who were they? Who were they? Okay, so <laughs> the winner of the winemaker of the year was mm-hmm. Rose Kentish, right, uh, from McLaren Vale, Ulithorn Wines. Uh, the winner of the viticulturist of the year was Irina Santiago Brown. Also from McLaren Vale, okay. so very exciting. A bit of a hot spot there in McLaren yes. Vale this year. Love McLaren Vale wines, <laughs> I've got to say. Yeah. Uh, the winner of the Owner Operator of the Year was Rebecca Duffy from down in Tasmania, Home Ooh. Oak Vineyards. And the Workplace Champion of Change is Diane Lawrence from Lawrence Wines over in Margaret River in WA. So a beautiful oh, spread in yes. the end there of women throughout the country. Oh, that's exciting. And if people want to get some more information about this event, just so that they can, you know, yes. look up the winners and find find out more about them. Absolutely. So the women, uh, it's womeninwineawards.com.au and mm-hmm. there you'll find the list of all the winners and also all the finalists who were amazingly worthy contenders. Oh, that's so, so exciting. And did you get a prize just for putting it all together? Well, wouldn't that have been nice, but... <laughs> I might, I might have prize. to give you a prize. <laughs> my prize. A bottle of wine. <laughs> my prize has been seeing this, uh, the success of the, of the awards in their very first year. Oh, I love mm. it. Now that this is all over, and we are coming into the festive season, and I know you've just been overseas on a big trip to, you know, France and everywhere. <laughs> I've been seeing all your photos everywhere on Facebook and everything. Yes. It has made me a little bit green with envy, I've got to say. 
<laughs> What's coming up on the horizon for you now that this is done and dusted? Uh, well, we're ending the year with a couple more events with the Fabulous Ladies Wine Society. Whereabouts so, are they? Uh, in Sydney, there's two events happening, uh, one on Saturday the 28th of November okay. and then our final event of the year is a champagne, we call them mistress classes because, Ooh. you know, it's an all-women champagne class yes. and that's also happening in Sydney on Tuesday the 1st of December. Can't so it be Melbourne? Come we, on, Jane. <laughs> we did one in Melbourne earlier in the year, so well, Sydney's turn now and we'll be back in Melbourne again next year for good. another one. Good. <laughs> I hope so. I mean, I do, I do get to Sydney quite a bit, but, Great. you know, Melbourne would be good. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And just very, very quickly, because we do have to go, but what's your favourite glass of champagne? My favourite, I have to say, I'm always a Bollinger girl. So, oh. yeah. I had 15-year-old Bollinger the other day and I can't remember the name of it. I wish oh, I could. Not like Grand Arnie. Yes. There you go. That's why it's my favourite. <laughs> is that your, that yeah. is literally the most extraordinary champagne I've ever tasted. I yeah. could have cried. Yeah, I think. It was the, nearly a spiritual moment for me. <laughs> That's marvellous. That's how it should be. That's how champagne should be. Yeah, Yeah. I loved it. Absolutely. Yeah, I I just, I kept on thinking to myself, you know, this can't be, you know, because there is obviously a hefty price component for some of these things. And I was thinking, I don't know, you just drink it. It's like me buying orange juice for my children. I keep on saying, I'm not buying orange juice anymore because you just keep drinking it. (laughs) And then I realise I'm sounding like my mother. But it's so, uh, honestly, just if you just take your time and and it's special and you're not just sort of swigging it and throwing it down, it was worth everything. Every single sip. I can I see the spiritual it. halo appearing <laughs> as you talk. I can see it. So is that your favourite one as well? well I, look, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, depending on the vintage, so Le Grand Arnais has a different vintage depending on what's out, but the current this one. This was extraordinary Yeah, vintage, 2004, I'm imagining it might have been. I have no idea, but it's just, I'm just going to call it the extraordinary one. Yeah, I'm with you. It's a spiritual <laughs> moment for all. <laughs> okay, and so if you had to pick an Australian sparkling. Well, Australian sparkling, I probably can't go past um, Aras from Tasmania. Ooh. I think Ed Carr is, you know, they call him the physicist right. uh, for good reason. <laughs> I haven't tried that one. Oh, look, it's fantastic. So okay. any, anything by um, Aras is, is, is a fairly good, uh, you're in a fairly good drop there in your glass. That's very, how do you spell that? A-R-R-A-S. Okay. All right. I'm going to give that a whirl. Okay. And if anybody wants to get in touch with you again and finding out more about your events and things that you have during the year. Absolutely. Give you us can, your website one yeah, more time. So fabulousladieswinesociety.com and for the Women and Wine Awards, it's womenandwineawards.com.au. Great. Thank you, Jane Thompson, so much for joining us.